Did you happen to catch any of that? I did not see any of that, uh, but I certainly saw it blow up all over uh, social media and in different Facebook groups, people that had um, uh, been outside and saw it and took video or photos. Uh, There were lots of videos that uh, were shared to social media. We have some up on our website at 953wbck.com. And uh, this was uh, spotted not only over Battle Creek, but in Richland, Augusta, and Galesburg as well. Yep, um, basically looks like a straight line of lights, um, and some of them brighter, you know, it's kind of like a streak, but it was slow moving. Yeah. Right? That was, yeah. And uh, so some people thought maybe it was finally happening. <laughs> finally, we're finally being invaded. <laughs> or, or saved. <laughs> <laughs> Rescued. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but nope, it was not the little green men. Once again, what are we like? Oh, and 770,000 for that. Uh, I mean, there's some things that are left to unexplained still. That's not everything's true. been solved. Well, yeah. <laughs> but in this case, I, I feel fairly confident, uh, we know what this is. Yep. Um, and if, there was a couple of years ago. Now they didn't look like this. What was it in about this time of year in 2020? Uh, there were a few nights we saw. Um, these satellites, which is what this ended up being too, but they were spread out further when we saw them. Remember there was one after another. Well, you know why that appeared that way um, is because uh, we were near a lot of light pollution. Okay. So it would have looked more like it would have looked probably a little bit similar to uh, a a tighter line. Um, But these photos were posted uh, just before 10 o'clock on Thursday night uh, with many commenters saying that they had seen the same thing. Some suggested it was part of the Lyriad meteor shower, which was peaking that night. Uh, However, one commenter did note that uh, there was some sound as it flew over, similar to a large plane. And meteors move much faster. And they they come and go a lot quicker than this did. Yep. So the most likely culprit, uh, Elon Musk's Starlink satellites, uh, which have now become a familiar sight in the sky over many parts of the country. Very similar to what was seen over Battle Creek. In fact, the satellite appears as bright lights in the sky in a straight line traveling fast in uh, the same direction. And uh, you can actually go to the website, uh, find Starlink, so you can kind of see and confirm uh, what you're seeing is in fact those. Yep. And, you know, one thing I wish they would do, or maybe they do, and just it's not something that's been put out there a lot, is uh, tell us when these are going to happen ahead of time. I I would have loved to have gone out and checked it out if I would have known it was going to happen. Well, you can <laughs> uh, go to that website, findstarlink.com, and you can, uh, you know, verify where it's at, where it's heading. If you can see that it just flew over, uh, you know, Kalamazoo or maybe something just a little south and and uh, east, or I mean west, uh, then you'll know it's likely heading this way. Right, but like when the International Space Station is going to be flying over our area, like usually on the news, or, I guess yeah. it's our responsibility to let people know. I'm like, <laughs> somebody do this for me. Somebody tell me when the satellite, it's like, well, you're the guy on the radio right now. Uh, maybe you maybe could you find should, it. Yeah. yeah, maybe you could put it out there ahead of time. Well, what I think is going to end up happening is it's going to become such a common, commonplace site that yeah. uh, eventually it's just going to be like, everybody's going to know when they look up, that's what it is. And yeah. Right, uh, but it did catch a few people off guard, and uh, the videos are pretty neat. Like you said, uh, we have a few that you can check on our website at 953wbck.com. And um, yeah, I guess I'll have to keep an eye on that find Starlink. Actually, I'm going to click on it right now. Yeah, see, see if, if can... there's any coming up. Let's see. Um, coming up on the 26th tomorrow, 
Uh, just before 5 in the morning, there's going to be some from northwest to northeast. Now, again, I don't know if this is in our local area. Yeah, it says Battle Creek, Michigan. Uh, there's one later in the morning closer to sunrise at around 5.50 from southwest to northeast. Uh, looks like both of those are will be relatively low on the horizon, but... Uh, Yes, a little treat for the early risers. Yeah, and, uh, if yeah. it's clear out. If it's clear is always the, the, big, uh, the big thing, especially this time of year in Michigan. Well, I think we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with a look at your weather and news. Uh, you and I, of course, uh, we do have a record player, but uh, we don't use it nearly as much as we should. No, we don't. Uh, it's kind of been a casualty of moving. Yeah. <laughs> just, just one of those things that we've never really gotten around to getting set up and... Yeah, maybe that's a project for uh, when we have some time off coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so have you ever been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? The one in Ohio? No, I have not. It's uh, something that we should probably do sometime. Absolutely. Did you know Michigan has its own Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? That is information that's relatively new to me. Yeah, it's uh, officially known as the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame. It's uh, been a website for a very long time, but now they have a very real brick-and-mortar location. Yep. Um, again, many people might not know that a place like that exists in Michigan. And uh, so there was a guy named Gary Dr. J. Johnson who said he wanted to change that and create a place in Bay City. Yep, and uh, when I got shot down, he made it a website and inducted his first class of 17 artists into the Hall of Fame, and that was back in 2005. And, uh, you know, he had to change the name because yeah. he didn't want to get sued by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, and so which is why it's known as the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame, uh, that way avoiding any lawsuit. Yep, I had to add a couple of words there to distinguish it as something else. According to Johnson's website, the initial vote in the Michigan Rock Hall was done by knowledgeable patrons who had attended some of his music trivia contests in Bay City. Uh, but then eventually in 2008, it was expanded to an online vote of fans across the state. Yep, the vote was open to anyone who was interested in Michigan rock and roll music, and in 2012 an automated voting system was installed to tabulate the votes in the top three vote-getters among the eligible Michigan artists in the top five songs, and the internet ballots gained induction each year. Yep, so far, 120 Michigan rockers and musicians have been voted into it, and there's been 150 songs voted as legendary Michigan songs. Uh, Johnson's dream has become a reality since its inception. The Michigan Rock and Rock Hall has sought out an actual physical brick and mortar location for its Hall of Fame that people could come and visit. And he thought his hometown would be the perfect place for that. And uh, first, it was the birthplace of one of Michigan's biggest selling uh, Michigan artists of all time, Madonna. Oh, yeah. And second, it was the place where one of the greatest garage rock songs of all time, 96 Tears, was recorded by Question Mark and the Mysterians. Yep, and uh, on March 12th, that uh, dream became a reality when the Damara Gallery on the second floor of the Historical Museum of Bay County became the official home of the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame. The museum is located at 321 Washington Avenue in Bay City. Yep, uh, it's kind of a neat place to put it because uh, not only can you check out the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame, you can check out some other history there. Uh, with that historical museum. They have a collection of all sorts of memorabilia uh, at the Scotty's Sandbar, which is located on Evergreen Drive on Bay City's uh, middle ground as well. Yep. Uh, the one thing that Dr. J has stressed in the formation of the 
the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was that the state became a breeding ground for the roots of both rhythm and blues music and the homegrown garage rock, both owing the debt to the melting pot of cultures that occurred in Detroit. Yep. If you want to check this out, uh, there's uh, links we have in an article on our website that has some of the songs uh, that they put in there and also, of course, the artists as well. And uh, there's photos and videos, too. Uh, Del Shannon topping that uh, list. You can scroll down and uh, take a look at some of those artists that are featured in that uh, Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame. Uh, you got Jack White on there, Kid Rock, uh, Madonna, of course, mm-hmm. uh, Ted Nugent, uh, Al Green, and just so many, so many others. And so many more that will be added in the future, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, another quick note we wanted to make. Uh, this, uh, today and tomorrow, we're going to be the last of Brandon and I hosting the morning show here on WBCK. Uh, we will be moving to the midday spot from 9 a.m. until noon. Uh, the Steve Gruber Show will be on in the morning. So that's what you'll be greeted with uh, beginning Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Um, some of you already familiar. We play his best of show at 6 o'clock on Sunday evenings. Um, so hopefully it is something that uh, you all enjoy. Yep, and uh, we will be off beginning Wednesday, so um, you won't hear us until uh, after we get back uh, the following week. And uh, we'll give you more details as uh, we start uh, putting all of this together. Yep, in your weather today, we have a chance for some rain showers. Otherwise, it'll be cloudy, a little bit windy. Winds from the southwest up to 20 miles per hour are high today in the upper 50s. Tonight, partly cloudy, still a bit breezy, a low in the upper 30s for Tuesday. Sunshine to start the day, becoming cloudy later in the day with a high in the mid-40s. Right now, we have cloudy skies, and it is 53 degrees. And as we roll into the 8 o'clock hour, coming up at around 8.30, we'll kick off cash code once again for the new week. This is the last week of it. Chance for you to win $10,000. Listen for that code word uh, coming up at around 8.30. Uh, we're going to tell you uh, the surprising field that Battle Creek's newest union workers have uh, work in. Yep, it's recreational marijuana. Retail workers in Battle Creek authorizing union representation for that. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a, a crazy sign of the times. Uh, maybe some people consider a progress as well. Uh, either way you look at it, things definitely changing. Yeah, 20 years ago, it would have been unthinkable that we would even see recreational marijuana uh, legalized. But uh, the thought that those in the industry would unionize, far from anyone's thoughts, Yeah, 20 years ago, even (laughs) Even, 10 years ago. I was going to say even a month ago, I never (laughs) thought I would see uh, a cannabis worker uh, union. Um, But the United Food and Commercial Workers Local 951 announced on uh, April 18th that the workers at Heritage Provisioning became the first such group to authorize union representation in West Michigan. You, th- you would have thought they would have waited just a couple of days for April 20th. Well, I think uh, I think it got finalized around the 20th. Oh, okay. okay. I guess yeah. we're getting to something there. Uh, according to a release, the workers uh, see having union representation as a positive step for ensuring longevity in a field known for high turnover. <laughs> no pun intended. Every single employee that works at the Battle Creek facility signed up to join this union. Yeah, one of those uh, new union members said, I'm really excited to be part of something bigger than just myself, a worker at Heritage Provisioning. My dad is a union member, and I'm proud to not only become one also, but to make history as the first UFCW 951 organized cannabis facility. 
Yep, Heritage Provisioning is owned and operated by William McKenzie, the CEO and founder of Left Coast Holdings. They're a company that is quickly expanding uh, with multiple dispensaries throughout the state of Michigan. Yep, the USCW 951 describes itself as a progressive labor union representing over 28,000 workers across Michigan in a variety of industries, including now cannabis, grocery, retail, food processing, and pharmacy. Yep, so uh, it's not just uh, the dispensaries, but... uh, well, it makes sense with that many employees, um, with that many dispensaries going up. It's such a fast-growing industry. I had no they idea wanna... it was a field that had high turnover. I know just about every job has high turnover right now, it well, seems like. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's people I, I know who have decided to go and work in this industry. Um, and just other people that I don't know well that I'm associated with on Facebook and stuff. And they tend to seem very happy and speak well. <laughs> About the job, and not, I feel like that's almost a joke. Not for the obvious <laughs> reasons. No, a job no. is still a job. No, and and again, usually it's not like, hey, you know, I get to work around marijuana. It's usually I get treated well. I I feel good about what I'm doing. The environment is good. Hmm. Um, and again, I mean, there's a joke in there, like, well, obviously the people there are going to be very happy. <laughs> But um, it's really not about the obvious. It, it's about the job itself and the people there around. I imagine uh, there's bad places to work at, just like any other place, too, or any other field that you're in. Uh, But something interesting kind of in the the same uh, area there. Um, Have you heard that there are more marijuana employees than firefighters in Michigan? Now, this is not a good thing. (laughs) Is it true, though? I haven't heard this, uh, so we're going to explore this for a couple of minutes. Uh, Of course, we were just talking about the booming marijuana industry in Michigan, uh, the Marijuana Policy Project analyzed sales in legal states across the country. And up until early this year, when the results were released, Michigan has made more than $270 million in tax revenue off of uh, recreational and medical marijuana sales. And with uh, revenue rising, that means jobs are also being added to the industry on a nearly daily basis. An alarming stat came up recently that uh, really put into perspective exactly how big Michigan's marijuana industry is these days. And according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, there are more people working in the marijuana-related field than there are firefighters in the state of Michigan. Wow. Uh, so just doubling, uh, double-checking this, uh, we looked up some statistics And according to the state of Michigan, there are approximately 34,500 firefighters currently serving in the state. And as of April 2022, with the addition of new workers and dispensaries, the estimated number of people employed by marijuana-related businesses has now surpassed 35,000 and is continuing to climb with a 72% increase in jobs just in the last year. So apparently it is true. Now, Some of this is probably attributed to the rapid growth of the marijuana industry. But we do know um, just from talking to people in the Battle Creek area, um, there's been a shortage of officers um, at police departments and uh, fire departments as well. Again, according to this, it says uh, not as of right now, there is not a firefighter shortage. Now, police, on the other hand, I have heard and maybe some cities are struggling with finding firefighters, but... uh, 
it, at this time, it doesn't appear as though there's a shortage in Battle Creek. I should clarify, yeah, we haven't been told that the fire department has had a shortage, but we have heard uh, general emergency services type jobs. Yeah. Are, you know, uh, EMS. Well, many of the first yeah. responders, yeah, whether you're talking about EMS, you're talking about police, uh, deputies with the sheriff's department. Uh, I imagine even dispatch has their own shortage yeah. at times. Well, we keep hearing about lots of job fairs um, for this type of work. And again, um, in the last couple of years, it just seems like there's been a general uh, people kind of reevaluating what they are going to do for their for life. Work. Yeah. For work. Some of it comes down to income. Some of it probably comes down to people's experiences that they had. Or quality of life. During the pandemic, quality yeah. of life. I think a lot of people reevaluated uh, the things that were probably more important to them uh, during the pandemic, uh, what they need and what they don't really need. And so it's probably something that we're going to continue to see. You know, I wouldn't put a time frame on it. Who knows? But over the next year, couple of years, we'll just have to see where this thing finally lands and, and what the landscape of our country and our state and locally looks like, because it, it sure seems like we're in the midst of big changes. Yeah. And you go to some areas and there's so many of these businesses that you have to wonder, like, how can the community support all of these? Right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we've lost a lot of local businesses during this time. Um, but other things have popped up. It's just, again, a changing landscape and, you know, who, where it goes, nobody knows. Like, <laughs> kind of that kind of thing. Around, around, I'm trying to think of how that goes. Round and round, where it goes, where it stops, <laughs> no, nobody knows. Right. Uh, that kind of fits uh, what's going on right now. But, um, yeah, it, it, there's something about... Less firefighters than people in the marijuana industry that is a really doesn't bizarre, sound right. Yeah. yeah very bizarre statistics. It so. is absolutely. Uh, well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather. Yeah. Uh, name of that song is Natalie. And now uh, that'll be the song she is performing tonight. Uh, she got uh, the jury pick last week, which means that she automatically advanced to the semifinals. That was basically the top honor. Like it's the best you can do. Uh, because four people get in every week, and one of them by jury selection, and then the other three um, are done, are chosen through votes from the fans and people watching the program. And she still needs your votes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we have all that information. We'll give it to you. Now, over the last week, of course, uh, it's been a whirlwind um, of celebration and, and I'm sure of busyness. <laughs> yeah. The community really stepping up, uh, to ensure that her mom and her sister is able to come out and, uh, watch her perform as well. Because, uh, given COVID and also the expenses of what it takes to travel back and forth from Michigan to California, <laughs> um, they needed to raise some funds in order for the whole family to be able to be out there to support her. Yep, and there's a couple of local businesses that have stepped up too. So it's a, it's just been such a fun story to follow. And uh, I, we've mentioned it a couple of times. We were fortunate enough to really uh, become aware that this was happening early on. Uh, we got to talk to her a couple of times. We've, uh, we're hoping maybe we can uh, tomorrow. We'll see. I'm sure tonight will be another whirlwind night. She'll yes, not to mention the time difference between Michigan and California. Um, yeah. And she being the youngest competitor on the show too. She's uh, just turned 17 years old. Yep. And uh, she's she has a Facebook page that you can follow that's called Ada Leanne's Music, um, where she shares uh, photos and uh, information about the show. She had a post uh, that she put up recently that says, I'll be on 
at NBC again tomorrow with the American Song Contest for the semifinals. I can't wait to bring the song to the stage again this week. And thank you for all the love and support I've received. Um, and again, she's reminding everybody to make sure they vote for Michigan. Absolutely. And it's not going to be exactly the same performance. They're going to do a little bit uh, higher production on this. Uh, there are going to be more elements added to this. What those are, you and I have no idea. No. Uh, we just know that uh, it's going to be more to the performance. Yeah, um, it will evolve as the weeks go because they're not just being judged on the songs themselves. No. Uh, part of it's the stage presence and some of the the lighting and you know maybe other choreography that's going on um and and yeah and uh your votes actually help make sure that she can continue on even though she got the juror vote in order for her to to keep going and win this competition she's got to have the most views on her videos Mm -hmm. um and the most votes and there are two different ways that you can actually vote uh we have a link to the show page on for NBC, um, an article that you can find on our website. And uh, you can also vote using TikTok. You open the app, uh, you'll tap the Discover feature, and then in the search bar, you type American Song Contest. You'll find a banner that says vote for the best original song. And once you click that, you'll be taken right to the voting page. And uh, her song is called Natalie. And I, I even saw a couple of spots where people are starting to ask her who Natalie is. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, little, a good question. Ooh. Who is Natalie? <laughs> little intrigue there. <laughs> yeah, Ada Leanne, as we mentioned, the youngest contestant on the show. She is a Lakeview High School student. Yep, and um, she's been getting a ton of support, of course, from her school. What I'm curious about, and of course, we'll be watching this uh, on delay. We'll have to get up early tomorrow like we did last week um, so we can come in and do the show tomorrow without being completely uh, drained. Yeah. But um, it'll be interesting to see how they introduce, like, is she going to have a new intro? Because in the first rounds, they kind of said, here's Michigan and, and the name and they each did a little... I wonder if there's thing. like a part two intro. Right. Where, where you see other things from around the community, uh, around Battle Creek and uh, other parts of the state. Because if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure they showed the Mackinac Bridge as well yeah, they, in her intro. So Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it will be in- interesting uh, to watch and uh, see the community represented once again. And of course, uh, she representing the entire state of Michigan. <laughs> what an accomplishment. Yep, the uh, American Song Contest airs tonight at 8 o'clock on NBC. Battle Creek's Ada Leanne performing, uh, so don't miss it. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with your chance at $10,000. So the official start of the latest hu- hunting season began over the weekend. Yep, and we're not talking about hunting critters. No, no, you can put the guns away this time. <laughs> well, I mean, you can try to shoot them if you want, but well, it's not going to do any defeats good. the purpose, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're talking about the ever-popular morel mushroom, and uh, things are starting to heat up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had our first 80-degree day of the year over the weekend, and I did indeed see people posting photos of some of their morale finds. Yep, they're starting to pop up. Um, one uh, is a, name, a man named Matthew Peak Jr. He was lucky enough to find a bunch of them in Indiana. Of course, uh, the further north you go, the farther behind the season is. Yeah, uh, and he, he found those uh, on Thursday of last week. Yep, uh, but uh, that's creeping up our way to be in peak time. And so while we're talking about it, we thought there might be a few things you'd want to know if it's something that you've maybe never done before and you're interested in getting into like others like to do. 
yeah, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they they fetch a pretty price if you're looking to hunt for them and uh, possibly sell them. Although I'm not sure if it's, uh, I think there are some rules about uh, where you hunt them and whether you can sell them or not. Um, but here's kind of the basics of what you need to know. Uh, first and foremost, know the difference between morels and poisonous false morels. Yep, there are four types of true morels, and then there's two lookalikes out there that can make you sick. Of course, uh, we all know that you got to be careful with mushrooms. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that over in California, um, somebody that worked in the kitchen at a retirement home had uh, harvested some uh, or foraged for some fresh mushrooms, ended up uh, killing a few people and making others quite sick. So it is not uh, just uh, to be funny. Um, you're not going to you're not going to find any magic mushrooms out there looking for morels. That's for sure. No, nope. uh, but you could definitely make yourself or someone else sick. Yep. There's the the true species are the white morel, the black morel, the half free morel and the burn site morel. And we have a link that actually uh, goes and shows you pictures and gets to even more descriptions and that it even has the false species. And you can tell the difference, but they do look uh, alike. So yeah. It's definitely something to verify. I mean, when you bring them back, you know, I mean, if you want to pick them, you know, maybe just check when you get back before you eat them or cook them up. Yeah, when to find morels. Uh, May and is morel month in Michigan, and we're days away from the start of that. But according to uh, the state of Michigan, the actual fruiting period is from late April through mid-June. Uh, kind of depends on the location, species, and what the weather's been. Warm, wet conditions are best. So heading out after uh, a day of rain on a warm day can be very fruitful. And the state actually does something incredibly helpful. Yeah, um, a map that shows burn sites because morels uh, love to pop up in areas like that after there's fire in wooded areas. So uh, we have a link to the burn site map too, which can help you as you hunt. Yeah, and if you're looking to uh, harvest and, and store those, um, you want to use a pocket knife to cut the stem to collect the morel and then store them in a mesh bag or a basket. And what that does is it keeps moisture from uh, spoiling your prize. And uh, it also allows the spores to drop out from that mesh bag or basket so that uh, future morels can be produced. Yeah, you want to keep the, the chain going for subsequent years. Um, don't collect them if they're decaying, damaged, or if there's wormholes especially. And you can use a soft bristled brush to help clean some debris from the mushrooms. And here's a bonus tip. You can soak the morels in cool water or salt water uh, if you're not a fan of some of the grit that can happen on those. And we have a link to some cooking tips. Absolutely. And uh, if you're storing your morels, you want to refrigerate the mushrooms in a paper bag um, And if you're going to be using them uh, within a day or two. And if you want to wait to cook them up, uh, waiting for a, to find a larger amount, you are probably going to want to uh, either freeze them, dehydrate them, um, and so that they'll be able to store for a longer period of time. And if you're looking for recipes, we have a link that has a bunch of recipes for you as well. Yeah, this whole article is kind of a all-in-one. Uh, get you out there looking for them, knowing what to look for, knowing how to be safe, um, finding places that are good, cooking tips and recipes, all in one spot. Check it out on the app or on our website. 953wbck.com. And uh, last but not least, happy hunting. Yeah, good luck. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with a look at your weather and traffic. Our miles from memory guest for today. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Is this Jill? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we are on right now um, for our miles from memory moment. 
Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, so I know today you're going to be talking to us about uh, elder law. Uh, that is correct. Um, I am a social worker at a child and trip law offices. We are an elder law firm uh, there in Battle Creek. Okay. And, uh, you know, what kind of things do you generally get questions about? You know, we spend time, um, our families come in when they're looking at um, putting people in charge and making guardianships, power of attorneys, long-term care planning, uh, kind of looking um, at their long-term care needs and who's going to be making decisions for them is a big part of that. And also planning, we work a lot with our caregivers um, to help them navigate healthcare systems. Okay. And uh, what advice do you have this morning for our listeners? Oh, I have lots of advice. Um, (laughs) Advice would be to plan ahead early um, and to have conversations with your family members about um, who you want to be in charge if you're unable to make decisions for yourself. That's very important to do that um, when we're younger about who would be our healthcare advocate if we were ever in a situation where we had dementia or Alzheimer's and we needed another family member to make healthcare decisions for us. Um, so planning early and having conversations with our family members to let them know what you would really want in case you're in that situation is is probably the most important thing we can do. What are um, some of maybe the specific things that come up um, more often uh, when it relates to this? Um, a lot of times it's, uh, there's kind of two folds to it. One is, again, as the healthcare advocate of who would kind of be my voice if I was ever unable to make decisions for myself. The second piece is the financial um, advocate of if I'm not able to manage my own finances, who could kind of step in and and do that for me? Um, Who could pay my bills and make sure, you know, things are paid and communicate with things. Um, The other part is the HIPAA release to make sure we have them in place so family members can get information about what's going on with your healthcare needs. And what is a good age uh, to keep in mind to to perhaps start sorting these things out? You know, with our healthcare advocates, you know, probably as soon as you're 18, um, because at that point in time, we just don't know whatever's going to happen. God forbid, uh, you know, we have a crisis or something or have a medical emergency. Um, that can happen at any age. But, you know, as we get older, it probably gets a little more important, but it's never too early to start thinking about who would I really want to step in if I ever needed help and then probably revisit that um, every time there's kind of a change in your family dynamics or you get married or have kids or um, as you get older to kind of always keep that in the back of your mind. I mean, there are things that we probably don't think of as we're younger, um, but we probably think of it more as, as we get older to retirement age. Yeah, it is one thing that, I mean, I can speak for myself. I never thought about that stuff when I was 18 or 21. And and unfortunately, yeah, and one thing we hear about a lot, unfortunately, is sometimes when these things are not taken care of, it can cause all sorts of problems, uh, either families that get into disputes or just confusion. And uh, so it's all the more reason it's it's important to just to check this off the list uh, so you can have it out of your mind and not have to worry uh, like you said, about stuff that could come along. Yeah, you don't want to have to end up in, you know, the whole point of doing this is kind of just preventive things. If we have these documents in place and if you ever do end up in a healthcare crisis at any age, um, so doctors can do what needs to be done. They can follow what your wishes would be and you don't end up in the court system 
fighting over who's going to make decisions for you or who's going to manage your finances um, and causing, you know, family dynamics always plays a huge part in this. Um, we like to think everybody will always get along, but in crisis situations sometimes that's not necessarily true. <laughs> and if somebody had uh, to wanted to get some more information, where could they do that at? You know, we have a great website. It's www.mielderlaw.com um, that highlights a lot of the topics we talked about. There's some really great articles on there that Doug Chalgen, uh writes for us frequently and our newsletters. But there's really good information on there if you just want to go on our website and um, look around at all the different topics with elder law and um, you find some really good articles on there. All right. Well, Jill Klosser, thank you so much for joining us this morning for our Miles for Memory moment. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right. Have a great day, everyone. 95.3 WBCK. Good morning, Brandon. Good morning, Lacey. Uh, so what does a company do if their employees can't find somewhere to live? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, we're hearing affordable housing harder and harder to find for, for many communities. Uh, some communities have a few more options than others, but you generally are going to find a little issue finding something affordable. And uh, one company's decided uh, to you know, do something kind of unique and outside of the box. Uh, it's in northern Michigan and their solution to buy a hotel. Yep, it's called Shorts Brewing Company. They purchased a hotel up there called Bel Air Inn and it is designed to provide temporary transitional housing for their area seasonal workers. Yeah, Shorts uh, shared the news on Friday saying that the worker shortage has been a challenge for the brewery ever since the summer. Um, it, that, you know, even worse than that they can remember this year is even worse than any year before with houses, housing prices at all time high and a severe lack of rental inventory. Yep. They operate a brew pub in downtown Bel Air and they have a produ- production of facility in Elk Rapids. They're looking to hire about 20 people and have also several open positions at their production facility. Um, and so they decided to convert and update the Bel Air Inn nearby into 26 short-term units, uh, again, for transitional housing. Yeah, they said that they really missed out on a lot of, a lot of non-local candidates uh, applying for jobs because simply the people couldn't find a place to live. Um, so they're working to kind of uh, address this. Each of the rooms come fully furnished. They have a bathroom, a refrigerator, and a microwave. All the utilities are also included as well. Yep, and to keep the costs as low as possible, they plan to operate part of the inn as a traditional motel, uh, and they're looking even to hire a full-time on-site innkeeper. This is really unique. It is absolutely unique. Shorts will hold rooms at the inn for their upcoming hires and plan to offer local businesses first dibs on remaining units for their incoming staff. Yep, so um, it's an interesting story. Um, You can check more of this out at 953wbck.com and on the app and uh, see what Shorts Brewing Company is doing. I wonder if that's an idea that may start to spread. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back. Of course, we've mentioned it a few times uh, this morning and uh, the end of last week, but uh, beginning on Wednesday, the Steve Gruber Show is going to be heard from 6 to 9 a.m. on WBCK. Yep. Uh, this is a new permanent change uh, to the morning and uh, we will be moving to the 9 to noon slot, um, but we're taking some personal time off ahead of that. We don't have an exact 
an exact date set for that. Um, we're going to be working. We have on an exact the- date for our off time, <laughs> our first vacation yeah. together. Uh, last time I took time off was uh, September 2021. So mm-hmm. I definitely need a break. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to to get worked away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, Steve Gruber's show will be on. Uh, you will hear Mike Gallagher from nine to noon, as you have been for the last few weeks. But uh, in the coming weeks, we will be taking over that time spot with our new show. Yep, that's the plan. And um, uh, if you're curious, the Steve Gruber show uh, will bring uh, a lot more politics to the discussion in the morning. Um, He is a Michigan guy. He's a Michigan guy. So uh, he will talk about issues uh, going on in Lansing and in other state uh, political issues on his program. It will be quite a bit different than what we do. Uh, We're not going to try to sugarcoat it or pretend uh, it's it's going to be a very different type of program. Um, of course, when we start our new show, there's some things that will be different. Um, but the general style of, of what Lacey and I do and the way we like to approach uh, our show uh, probably won't change much. There will just be some maybe some new ideas and different things, but we still want to be uh, big on Given hard-hitting opinions on kittens and puppies <laughs> yeah. all over. Uh, local content is uh, what <laughs> we're committed to, and we'll keep doing that uh, as we move along. And your weather today, we're going to have a chance for rain showers. Otherwise, it'll be a cloudy one. Winds from the southwest up to 20 miles per hour and a high in the upper 50s. Tonight, partly cloudy, still a bit windy with a low in the upper 30s. For Tuesday, some sunshine during the morning becoming cloudy later in the day with a high in the mid 40s. Right now, we have cloudy skies and it is 53 degrees. And at about a half hour, I'll give you your second code word of the day. And keep listening at the bottom of the hour for uh, more code words throughout the day. And uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow morning.